Welcome to What Else? Tell Me Your Story. This is a special edition of Tell Me Your Story. Coming to you uh, on Sundays at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m., Monday mornings at 1 a.m., but on this special edition, we're glad that you're with us. We stream live at all of these times at richarddugan.com, and uh, we are also podcasting at SoundCloud, iTunes, TuneIn Radio, Spotify, Stitcher, Player FM, Blueberry, and a whole lot of other locations that you folks are graciously reposting our interviews too. Thanks for doing that. I really do appreciate that. Uh, we also have a video cast. You can watch this on YouTube. You can see as well as hear our guest and as well as yours truly uh, by uh, going to YouTube and uh, punching in the old uh, Richard Dugan, tell me your story uh, information in the search engine on YouTube. And uh, I think you'll, I think you'll enjoy the broadcast. If you would like to support what we're doing here, uh, we would greatly appreciate any financial support. That's why we have a PayPal and uh, a Venmo. Uh, we have both of those for your security as well as ours. And also participate in the Decade of Perfect Vision, the 2020s, where we encourage you to go within, spend time with yourself. Who Nobody, nobody knows you better than you. Even if you don't know that much about you, you still know more than anybody else because you're with you 24-7, 365. I mean, come on. I, I don't even care if it's your spouse, spouse or your twin. Your twin doesn't even know you as well as you know you. So take that time and also just sit and be quiet and be still. And as I've defined many times on this program, be perfect. Just be. That is being perfect. Just being who you are. Well, today we have a returning guest. He hasn't been on for quite a while. We're sure glad to have him back all the way from Colorado. Uh, Ken Elliott. And, and he has written a, a book in particular we talked about when he was on the last time called Manifesting One, Two, Three. And you don't need three. What do you think about that? Ken, welcome back to the program. Nice to have you. Nice to be back. You know, uh, you're out there in Colorado, and one of these days uh, I'm going to make it there. Now, I have crossed the continental divide with a good friend of mine, and my best friend who I have known for, I can't believe I'm about to say this, I am 60, and I have known him for almost 50 years. Wow. In September of 2021, it will be 50 years I have known this guy. And you're and, still talking. And we're That's still talking. Amazing. In spite of the trip that we took... But when we crossed the Continental Divide, uh, I, made a, I made some comment about how, oh, I was telling everybody once I'd crossed it the first time heading for Kansas, I was, telling, I was telling the waitress at the diner, I was telling the clerk at the store, this is my first time across the Continental Divide, which sort of became a slogan for the two of us. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we just had a blast, I got to tell you. And I'm really glad you're back with us again. We'll talk about not only your book, Manifesting One, Two, Three, and You Don't Need Number Three, uh, but I also want to talk about uh, the work that you are doing as an artist uh, and also okay. some of the uh, insights that you have discovered over the years, uh, be it over the years since the last time we talked or just over the years of your life, uh, that you have, um, uh, they say that as we get older, that we, we do tend to be get, we get wiser because of our experience, because of the things that we have done, the places that we've gone, the people that we have had in our lives. 
And yeah. I, let's let's kind of start there. We'll tell people about the book here uh, in just a few moments. But give us a little insight into the clean slate that was Ken Elliott, uh, as opposed to the the well thought out, methodical, meticulous slate that Ken Elliott is now. Oh my God! Let me let me just stop right now and call my mother and tell her. <laughs> All, all those nice things that she hoped I would do that I certainly can't get perfectly. Um, <laughs> you know, it, as you're writing that down, as I was writing something down. Um, you were saying that, and the, the first thing that came to my mind was to get out of the way. Get out of the way. To um, allow, to understand that you're worthy. I don't know how many times that's come up in the last three, well, three times, three, five times in the last three days, talking with someone and there's this hesitation about going forward in their life. And uh, I would ask them just straight up and say, well, why don't you think that's happening? Or, or why is your life looking like that? And they would say, I don't know. And I'd say, may I just jump in? They'll say, yeah. I say, you're not worthy. You don't think you're worthy. Uh, I did that with someone, and they had to take a chair. They just burst into tears. Hmm. Well, that's a big one. They're not worthy. Uh, we're worthy. We're worthy. We're worthy. I, I just can't say it enough. It could be the whole show. Just put it up there, and we'll go off somewhere and, and get yeah. a beer, and they can just read that over and over. <laughs> uh, but we are worthy, and, and we are heard if you believe in a higher power or not. Um, and, and, and I do, but I also, in the manifesting book, it's been proven out to me that our thoughts actually create form in real time. Mm. So uh, if it, you don't have to believe in anything, but if you're repeating a thought and you put one of these two great powers behind it, you love this idea or you're fearful of this idea, your thoughts will be creating that. So whether you're not, believe it or not, your thoughts are taking form. But if you want to clear the runway for good things to come in, then, uh, you're worthy. Allow things to come to you. Allow yourself to dream and make things. Yeah. You know, and what you bring to mind for me, especially with not only my upbringing, but also my early years in this business working for a Christian station, you know, I kept hearing uh, pre, and again, this is of the Christian philosophy, pre-salvation, mm -hmm. we're sinners. We're just vile, awful, dis I mean, you know, low, lower than the belly of a worm, you know, and... Um, Can I get in that line? It sounds like fun. It, well, it very well could be. But here's, <laughs> here's the paradox that I found that didn't, didn't mesh with me. If we were valueless, and again, this is, this is based upon that philosophy, the theology, the doctrine, the dogma. Uh, if that were the case... But then why, why bother with any sacrifice? And so when I turned that around, my, my mind went to, well, wait a minute. The, we had to have had value for there to even be one. Why would you, it's uh, like, um, uh, was it Isaac and Jacob and Abraham was to sacrifice one of them? Okay. All right. Why would you sacrifice your son for something that has no value. We must have been precious and priceless before the sacrifice 
We must have been loved before, quote-unquote, original sin. And then when the sacrifice was made, I don't know how you can go beyond pricelessness, you know, but yeah. somehow we do. So yeah. it's, to, to me, I, 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 I put it to you in this context from what you just said. It doesn't make any difference at what stage of life you're in. Mm-hmm. You are worthy. You are priceless. You are precious. You mm-hmm. are important. Uh, but even more so, you are loved. If not by the universal power, God, at, by some of the people that are around you. Yes, yes, yeah. Um, I, I was... Um... I went to an auditorium full of people, I guess there were two, 300 people in there. And a name person was doing a, um, a lecture. And a lot of it was about manifesting, a lot of other metaphysical topics. And before it started, I was sitting next to a stranger and uh, she didn't know I'd written the book or anything. We were just talking. She said, well, what do you think about all this? I said, well, I just point myself to happiness. And when the whole thing was over, it was an hour or more, uh, she came back to me and said, the most important thing I heard today was the first thing I heard before the lecture. <laughs> and, and, you know, <laughs> if, if, you, um, if you want to live well, then pick up things. Don't, don't settle for, uh, um, for crummy things in your in your world, or at least your bedroom, or at least on the countertop that you see, you know, just sort of take your standard up a little bit. It doesn't mean you have to spend a lot of money, but you do the same thing in your mind. I'm not saying that you have to think pure thoughts, but uh, think about what it is you would like to have in your life. Think about the sort of people and the experiences you would like to have, and you'll find those things come to you. Back to worthiness, you know, the proof for me is how many times do we almost been in a serious car accident. How many times did we get uh, seriously ill or close to seriously ill and somehow some little miracle happened, something pulled us out of the fire and we think about, gee, maybe uh, I've got some business here or somebody will tell you a thing you said three or four years ago and they'll say, you changed my life. You don't even remember what it was. They have to explain it to you. And you go, oh, I guess I had some value. Maybe I still have some value. Well, of course we do, of course we do. Yeah. I wish every day was a perfect day, but if it was, and if the angels came in and washed the dishes and did the windows, we would just be sitting around smoking cigarettes and eating bonbons. We wouldn't get anything done. (laughs) So we've got to do some work. Yeah. We've got a little work to do. Yeah. But I will tell you that there is something so satisfying in that work um, when we start doing it. Now, that doesn't mean that it's easy because when I talk about going within and getting to know yourself all of who you are. Now, we don't learn about all of who we are in one sitting, no, but we begin that process. Sometimes it can be joyous, it can be blissful, and other times it can be fearful, it can be scary, because there are certain parts of our past that we have, you know, we've basically shut down. We've we've cordoned them off. We've put them back in as far back in the closet as, as is possible because they hurt. They hurt a lot. Yeah. When, uh, well, here's the thing. When I heard this, I hated it because I knew it was true. 
I mean, I really hated it. It's a truth. <laughs> and the truth is, the greatest lessons are learned through pain. Mm. They just are. Yeah. They just are. Yeah. They just are. And, and that creates change. That'll move us off of one spot to another, or we'll just sit in it. Um, but uh, uh, it, it took me about three or four months to wrap my arms around that. And so when I began to point myself to where I wanted to go, I didn't say, well, and I have to have everything going perfectly for me. Mm -hmm. This has to be a straight line and, and I'll go hundred miles an hour and get to where I want to go by Thursday. Cause I've got other things I want to do. It doesn't work that way. Nope. No, it does not. And change. I've talked about this many times with my guests, not only as they, as the saying goes, is it the one constant in the universe, but it's also the one constant that we are from my perspective we're told to be fearful of, to avoid, to do everything in our power to maintain some level of, and this to me is the appropriate word here, to maintain a static existence. In other words, no change. Yeah. And that's not the way the universe works, whether it's on the material world or even in the spiritual world, is it? Yeah. If there's a design, it seems to be... Uh... Uh, something that has pain involved in it. That's part of the design. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no one gets out of this life without pain. Yeah. Oh, my father, my father also says, nobody gets out of this world alive. That's another right. uh, axiom, right. although he prefaces that by saying, eat, drink, and be merry in moderation because nobody gets out of this world alive. My dad is 90 this year. Oh, now, my God. Now, my, I am probably more proud of that than he is. Uh, 20 years ago, on his birthday, I asked him, so, Dad, uh, how does it feel to be 70? And his response, I, I will never forget it. It's, well, uh, two things. Number one is, I didn't expect to live this long, but I'm really glad I'm here. Yeah. And, uh, you know, so he was born at the front end of the Depression, okay. uh, which is just amazing to me. Uh, that he went through that as a, a young child, and then, of course, uh, as a teenager through uh, World War II, uh, mm. and then all of the other stuff, and had a big family. He and my mom, they, that was the decision they made. We want a big family. Yeah, That's what we want. And a lot of people, sometimes they ask, well, what did your folks sacrifice? I remember asking them that question when I was interviewed. I had them on this program uh, a few years back, Although that interview has not been heard by the general public yet. So I'm hoping oh. someday. But okay. I asked him about that. I says, a lot of people say you sacrificed a lot. My mother says to me, no, we didn't sacrifice a thing. That was our plan to have a big family. Yes. So yeah. that is one of those elements that I think about. Uh, when it comes to our lives, and I want to come back uh, in just a moment and talk about that in terms of what it is that we really want in our lives. And this is going to dovetail us right back to manifesting one, two, three, but you don't need three. Ken Elliott's my guest. This is Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World. I'm Richard Dugan, and we hope that you will continue listening to this program. I think you're going to really enjoy 
uh, what we have to offer you here on the program. Ken Elliott is my guest. This is Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World. We're giving you choices and knowledge of those choices to help make your dreams come true. And to that end, we have the ancient secrets of manifesting that have been masterfully revealed in this award-winning book called Manifesting One, Two, Three, and You Don't Need Three. And I love this quote, we have been sent to our rooms. That's referring to this unprecedented global event that has affected every single one of us, even if, and I'm one of those even ifs, even if you didn't actually quote unquote go to your room, you weren't locked down. I've, Ken, Ken Elliott, who is my guest, I have not been locked down. I've been coming into work every day for the past 12 months. Okay? I've been, and of course they consider uh, broadcasters, I guess, to be essential. But I, right now, I'm the only one in the building. I am the only wow. one here. I don't, I, and you can see, I'm not wearing a mask. Right, right. Because there's nobody else here. So, but it still has affected it affected me from the standpoint, and I run into this um, irony uh, when I start to talk about those people who uh, I get tired of hearing the complaints. I mean, I've got an ache in my temple here because mm-hmm. everybody's complaining about this and that and the other thing, and the 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 irony is that I'm sitting here complaining about the complainers. <laughs> Yeah. So I'm yeah. kind of I'm in a bad spot there. But when you talk, when, you know, when the, the, the phrase is used, unprecedented times, you know, um, mm-hmm. it's it's um, it's still something that, you know, maybe in a few years, those of us who have lived through it and survived and done fairly well, just in terms of keeping our sanity and our happiness and so forth. Uh, we can say, wow, I, whew, wow, I made it through that. Unbelievable. That was incredible. What a ride. Mm-hmm. I didn't like it, but hey, you know, what are you going to do? But at least right. the ride came to an end, you know, and now yes. we're going to get on another ride and see where that goes. When it comes to this aspect of manifesting, do you think that the past 12 to let's just say 14 months, um, have prevented people or distracted people from the awareness that, as you started mentioning at the front end of the program, it is our thoughts that create our reality. And I put this Mm -hmm. question to people on the program. So what in the world has mankind been thinking that has brought this unprecedented global event on us? I mean, because... Isn't it true, in spite of all of the quote-unquote science, that we as human beings, we did this to ourselves? I'm not saying we created it literally in a laboratory. I'm saying that what we do on the inside manifests on the outside, right? Are you talking about ecology or the virus? I'm talking about the virus, <laughs> but, more from a, but more from a metaphysical right. perspective, more of a spiritual yeah. perspective. Can you talk to that- us about that? That's an unknowable for me. Okay. But but my my thinking is my my I can't even call it a hunch. I'll just give you an opinion, uh, and it's 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 uh, I don't want to try to put any sort of value to it other than my opinion, something for thought. If we are driving too fast, 
a number of things can happen. We'll have some close calls. People will honk at us. People in the car will scream at us. We might get a ticket. We might get in an accident. So if we have this consistent action, it will put us in a place where we're in a new set of circumstances. Mm. And to tell you the truth, I don't even know where that analogy came from. That's coming out of my mouth as I speak. And I'm just not, I'm not used to this sort of thing happening, but it does happen. So I, I like that. And uh, thank you for whoever, whoever ran that through me. So in our planet, in our world, in our families, in our countries, in our neighborhoods, we are, um, for whatever reason, in a new set of circumstances. And it provides a lot of food for thought. It provides a tremendous amount of opportunity. Um, it's, it's, we could have all sorts of small and large resets from this. And at the least, we would have appreciation for the grocery store clerk. You and I wouldn't be sitting here if we didn't have food. True. We didn't have the people that are in public service that are taking care of us on the government and on the streets level as police and defense and you know all that sort of thing. Society could fall apart, could go into chaos under something like this. And if you would think back into more primitive times, it would be easy to see how that scenario could work itself out. Mm. So we're, we're privileged to be here because a lot of other people uh, did their part and you you kept your radio show on you know you did your part you're doing your part so uh, what, what's happening here I, I just see it as a large opportunity for self-improvement mm -hmm. self-evaluation and on a family level a, a community level a government level uh, we, we have all that going on it's all there's also a tremendous opportunity for a new scientific breakthrough on going after this virus that may have some very big benefits in some other um, illnesses that we've been after for a long time, but we never had a, uh, this kind of money come forward on a global scale to go after something like this. Yeah. So I'm optimistic about that as well. I have been optimistic from day one. I mean, uh, I mean, it was, it, it's been my, not just my goal, but it's just been my attitude in general, uh, uh, as you just spoke of the opportunities. And at the front end of this, I felt that but I would also uh, I would also uh, suffix it with, and those some of these opportunities we don't even know about yet because no. we haven't gotten to that place right. that is going to right. show us what they are. It's just incredible. Yeah, a child could say it, and it'll end up uh, you know on the ten o'clock news mm -hmm. and go global. We don't we don't know. There's just so many new things. We're in a new set of circumstances, and there are as it always is so-called good things, so-called bad things. Yeah, um, it's 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 beyond my words to express condolences for all the people who died and are ill and are still undergoing um, side effects and maybe other side effects yet to come on this. And I hope that uh, perhaps there'll be more medications come forward that can take care of that. But yeah. this virus is going to be with us like the flu. We're going to have to continue to get shots on this. Yeah. By the way, I heard a statistic this morning as of our conversation that the number of flu cases uh -huh. is substantially down. Yes. And it's yes, because yes. people are uh, many, many people, not all, but many people are right. are wearing their masks. Yes. And I yes. sit here now. I've said this before 
and I'll say it again and again and again, and I've been saying this for over 40 years, longer than I've been in this business, that if we would just shut down, especially air travel, for two, uh, for um, maybe even just a week, I, I was even saying two weeks, yeah. uh, and not let people move about, you can go to work and all those kinds of things, but, but not traveling and getting into those uh, uh, flying Petri dishes, that when the flu rolls around, then it's completely stopped. And then we can move on. And somebody said to me, uh, this was pre-pandemic, they said to me, no, that's Im- you, you realize what that would do to the economy? And of course, now I say, as compared to what we did to the economy for the past 12 to 14 months, really? That's <laughs> nothing. That's a drop in the bucket. Let's do yeah. that. What's wrong with, with doing that? Uh, and, and then uh, the other thing I'd love to see a statistic, Ken, is a statistic that talks about how we the loss of productivity of all, when all of these people contract the flu, not die from it, but end mm-hmm. up either going to work, not feeling 100%, and they're not giving 100%, so the productivity right. drops, or they right. can't go into work because they're sick, and so on right. and so forth. Or their kids can't go to school, so they have to stay home and take care of them. Right. Uh, you know, how much is lost then? So if we right, just right. did that for for two weeks, minimum two weeks, and it's over, it's done, it won't travel if we're not traveling because we're the ones that carry it. We're talking with Ken Elliott. We'll talk more about this and also about the book, Manifesting One, Two, Three, and You Don't Need Number Three here on Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World. I'm Richard Dugan, your host for New Paradigms for a New World here on Tell Me Your Story as we talk with Ken Elliott, the author of Manifesting One, Two, Three, and You Don't Need Number Three. Now, uh, this particular book uh, has um, great information in it. Uh, it ha- this book that uh, explains how our thoughts directly create reality. I remember hearing early on in my metaphysical searchings, Ken, uh, that the phrase that uh, we create our own reality. Now, there were some mm-hmm. philosophies that say, no, no, you don't. You don't create your own reality. Things just happen and you have to, uh, you have to adapt. Right. And yet, um, my wife and I had wanted for a number of years since we moved to Santa Barbara, we wanted to get a pickup truck. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, we never, you know, pulled the trigger. And then one day I made a left turn down a side street to bypass some construction. And a gentleman came flying out of his driveway in his sports car, his, his, his BMW. And collided with the front end of my Volvo. And fortunately, it was a non-injury accident. Neither of us were physically injured in any way. Uh, But uh, my insurance company declared the car a total loss because it was going to cost more to get replacement parts. (laughs) So they they basically paid off the loan. We actually got an extra $2,000 after that. We put that down on a pickup truck. And the real interesting synchronicity was that for the month that we needed a rental car, we were supposed to get, you know, a sedan, just a, you know, regular uh, two-door, four-door, right? Well, Enterprise didn't have any. All they had was this Ford F-150 2018 (laughs) model. What? In Santa Barbara? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And I thought, this is interesting. Maybe this is a sign that maybe we'll be getting a pickup truck because we're in this truck now. 
Well, yeah. the next thing I know, I find out, that, oh, my credit union has this deal where we get a lower interest rate. Uh, if we buy a, a used rental car or truck from yes. Enterprise, which right. is exactly what we did. Now, we'd also wanted a travel trailer. So December 1st of 2019, we took ownership of the truck, a, a truck, not the one we were driving. It, it was right, a, right. a late, later right. mo- earlier model. Less than 12 months, 11 months later, we were at an RV place. And we'd been going to these places up and down the coast for, for the last few years. And we bought a travel trailer. Okay. All right. Now, all of this came about because of that accident, that, that collision. Yeah. And I yeah. was not at fault because he was pulling out and he wasn't watching, uh, you know, watch, wasn't watching, making sure that the roadway was clear. Yeah. And you weren't really wanting to be on that road anyway. I didn't. I wanted to continue down the road I was on, but there was that construction. Right. Oh, yeah. Would you say that again? I wanted to what? I, I, I wanted to avoid the construction that was ahead of me, so I made that left turn down that side street. No, I like this phrase you said. I wanted to continue down the road I was going on. Oh, that's right. That's right. I did. I wanted to continue down the road I was going on. Yeah, it didn't go down that way. I got Okay. Hey, you know, I'm, I'm a little yeah. slow sometimes, but I get there. I get there. Well, here, well here's, another, <laughs> here's another wrinkle to that. Sometimes, so you were asking, and pl- well, you were certainly planning on getting the pickup truck. I, I get that you didn't know where, didn't know when. I don't know if exactly, you had a vision board. Exactly, exactly. I don't know if you're doing a vision board or anything like that, but you're thinking about this pickup truck, and it's making something on the other side. We'll get into this in a minute. But there's a thing that comes up sometimes. I call it a bleed over. And I'll touch this just for a moment. Your thoughts are actually taking form on the other side. Mm. And when they get into full form on the other side, sometimes they, you catch a bleed over. I don't know how in the heck you were able to get a rental car, well, a pickup truck in Santa Barbara, but you're sitting in the bleed over. That truck is coming and you're sitting in it before you got the truck. You're sitting in a different truck. Mm -hmm. That's the weirdest thing. So we're just another way it could have happened is a bleed over, and these don't happen all the time. You could go to a party, and, and there's people that just won't stop talking about trucks, or you know you're at the at the charity gala, and <laughs> for whatever reason your truck is parked out front along with all the, you know, the, the BMWs and the Mercedes and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, what's that truck doing out there? So uh, that's interesting. You got to sit in the thing before you got it. Yeah. And, and I actually did think about that, which I just shared with you. I did think about it as soon as they told me, well, all we have is this truck on top of the fact that because that was all that they had for us to rent, yeah. they were only going to charge us what our insurance company was going to cover because wow. the truck was more expensive. It was a wash. Yeah. You're out nothing. I'm out absolutely nothing. Yeah. And so, you get to bounce around the front seat of the truck in uh, advance. And exactly. And <laughs> I have to tell you that that uh, when I think about that particular example, then it takes me back to how we wound up here in Santa Barbara. Okay. Uh, I lost my job due to down uh, due to uh, format change, and the new owners were not keeping any of the old staff. They were letting right. everybody go. Right. Uh, so my last day was the twenty eighth of February, twenty sixteen. Now, my wife, on the other hand, she was working uh, in the medical field, but she was working for a company that um, uh, she was working basically in a hostile work environment. She's getting no support 
from her supervisors or anything. Yeah. So um, she basically went into a meeting on the 1st of March. And uh, she calls me following that meeting and she says, I just quit my job. And of course, in my head, I'm kind of screaming, do you understand that I'm unemployed too? <laughs> but yet I, I had no fear. That evening, we're sitting around the, uh, the table. We're sitting around the dining room table. Um, and she comes up to me and she says, I'm scared. I feel like we're on the edge of a precipice and I don't know what to do. Well, with everything that I have learned, not only through programs such as this before this program was started, um, I had always been taught, always been taught that what you do when you come to the edge of a precipice or cliff is two things. Mm -hmm. You jump and you trust. And again, no fear. I had absolutely no fear of what was coming. I didn't know what was coming, but there was no fear about the future. Mm -hmm. And so we decided that we were going to take a trip to Santa Barbara, which we did. Spent a week here doing R and R and R, rest, relaxation, and reconnaissance. And then went back to Phoenix, put the house up for sale. And in two months, on the 8th of May, 2016, the house closed. We got in our Subaru with a U-Haul trailer behind it. And we headed for Santa Barbara. Now, that to me says an awful lot about jumping and trusting um, yes. when you're at the, yeah. in those places. And I know it is hard to do. Can you share with us some of the, uh, well, there are three steps and you don't even need number three uh, mm -hmm. from your book in regards to how we can get into that space mentally, so to speak, uh, uh, so that we can begin the process of, I, I guess the best way to put it is we can begin the process of jumping and trusting. Okay. When I wrote the book, I didn't use words like that. Because if I ask somebody to jump, they can't be 100% certain about what's going to happen. So a lot of people are going to flunk jumping. A lot of people are going to flunk trusting. So I didn't use any words like that. Okay. It's, 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 it's much more simple. Uh, here's a book, by the way. Oh, there we go. Hit me in the head. That's, so there it is. And um, the book wrote itself. I had been collecting stories, had things happen myself. But at the core of this thing, what really happened was I was talking with a close friend, William Buhlman, who's one of the foremost, if not the most foremost out-of-body author in the West, B-U-H-L-M-A-N, William Buhlman. And we had a lot of side talk. He would talk about his out-of-body travels, and I had some small ones myself. And I was his webmaster, so I was privy to these 10,000 letters he'd gotten all over the world. I didn't read them all, but I would get this input from William. And out of the blue one day, I still remember where I was sitting when he said it. He said, you know, sometimes I'm on the other side, out of body, astral plane, outside the physical realm, and I'll see all of these things that I put on a wish list coming into form. Now, I've been privileged to read a lot of unpublished manuscripts and 
you know, hear things about this and that that aren't in the literature yet. But I, I just kind of went, huh? <laughs> I said, what are you talking about? He said, well, it, it, it's like they're all arrayed in a line. And if I'm thinking about this truck and I have had this on my, on this list, mm-hmm. and I think about that every day and I'm happy with the idea of it. I'm not afraid of not being able to afford it. So, I, so I'm actively looking at this list every day and think, yeah, this, I'm, I'm going to have this truck. This is, this is my truck. He can go over there from time to time and see the six or seven things on his list in, in various stages of formation, depending on how long he's been working on and how well he's done it. So if he just put that truck up yesterday, he sees this bit of smoke. It looks like a vapor. There's no form to it, no color. But in this place, in this non-physical realm, you have a knowing. And when he sees that, he knows that's a truck. That's his truck. It's starting to take form. If he needed a roof for the house, he'd been working on that five or six weeks, uh, or or, or I don't want to give it a, a, a time, he could start to see a roof forming and it's starting to get kind of 3D and it's getting some kind of color. That's a little unusual, even for things going on on the other side. So uh, he gave the example that he wanted to go to China. He didn't want to visit China. He wanted to live in China for Mm. a while. Wow. And his wife worked for General Motors. Uh, He had already seen that China was forming up. He could see this architecture. This thing, this China thing is 3D. It's fully formed. He can go over there and touch it. If it were the pickup truck, he could touch it. It'd be fully formed. He knows it's going to happen in some kind of form. Now, maybe somebody would just give him a, a 24 box of DVDs on China. I mean, it could be that. But, <laughs> but he said he wanted to live in China. He's seen it form up. He's really on this thing. And his wife comes to him and she says, uh, well, honey, uh, how would you like to live in China? I've been offered a transfer. And he said, what? Okay, I'm up for that. Tell me more. <laughs> Turns, I think they lived there for two years and signed up for two more. At, at least he was there for two years. And he said when he got back, he kissed the ground ah. because he was happy to be back because that was quite the adventure. But uh, that was a little unusual, very unusual. So um, uh, when William told me this thing about he sees these things on the other side, I called Judy Goodman. You can look her up, Judy Goodman, good man. And she goes out of body every night. She's completely gifted. She can, even on the phone or with you in person, she can see who's with you, all of this stuff. And uh, we don't even have time to talk about all the things she can do, but she's uh, very much off the charts. Mm. Uh, moving physical objects, those sort of things. So anyway, so she's a get around girl. I'll give you that. She's been in my dreams and this and that, and has had effect on my lives and many others. And I called her up as soon as I got off the phone with William about this stuff forming up on the other side stuff. And uh, I said, is that true? She said, yeah, that's what thoughts do. Mm. And I said, well, why didn't you tell me? She said, well, you never asked me. <laughs> and so what I had, and I'm giving it to you, that is the key to the universe. That's the key to the universe. If you know that if you keep thinking about something and it will literally take form in the near physical realm and eventually come over, if that's what you're pointing at, and that means I can't pay my bills, it can do that. I'd like to have that pickup truck. Yeah, it can do that. Just put love or fear behind it. It's repetition with love and fear. It will come over. So 
over and over and over for a couple of years, I would send Judy Goodman things in thought. Don't bother. She's got the wall up, but she allowed me to get through the keyhole. And I send her all, all kinds of objects. And I tested this in ways that I won't even write about using space and time. But every time I sent her something, she got it. And finally, 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 I got it through my head that this isn't a game. But I was such a, a lummox. I didn't realize that I had a key to the universe. I just played with it. Hmm. And Judy patiently ran with me on, or stayed with me on this thing until I finally got the idea, oh, maybe I should tell somebody about it because nobody else had this information. So the number one of manifesting one, two, three, there's that book again, and it's manifesting123.com, easy to find. And there's over 300 stories on there that you can just group search and, uh, just have at it. Yeah. Just have because it. It, it little miracles, big miracles. By the way, what's the difference between a big miracle and a little one? Do you know? Not a clue. Nothing. <laughs> I knew it was a trick question. <laughs> yeah. Nothing. Nothing. Yeah. And the funny little corollary to that: if you need to move a mountain in your life, how can you move a mountain? Do you know how to move a mountain? Mm -mm. Get a lot of ants. Ah, there you go. We get a lot of help. We get all kinds of we, help. We indeed we do. And I have to tell you, that's one of the things that I have shared with my wife today uh, in, 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 these, in these times where uh, I didn't use the phrase or, or the word when, uh, when we were uh, trying to find a truck or a travel trailer. Yeah. But I did when she, uh, when she uh, wanted to get a greenhouse. Now, we had a greenhouse in Phoenix, but we couldn't disassemble it and bring it with us. It was constructed in such a way that it was kind of semi-permanent so to to move it yeah. would have been uh, an ordeal and the phrase that i would uh, i would share with her was this i says be patient be patient it's coming it's coming mm. now again i have no had no clue as to how it was coming yeah. but the irony in one sense i i say irony but uh, maybe the synchronicity is that it was due to the fact that she was furloughed from middle March of 2020 to early June. And as you probably heard the stories of people who were getting uh, making more money on unemployment than they were uh, working. Uh, no. So we set that money aside, okay. you know, and then when she went back to work, she had and she has been researching, looking for the right greenhouse for years. Okay. There was a place in, in Ventura that had what she was looking for. It was a redwood frame. And we had just the right amount to go and get it. And we did. Wow. And we, I had some friends of ours on the property where we live and rent help us to build it. And we did it yeah. in probably two or three weeks because it was just on the weekend. Right, and right. now she's just going to town. I mean, the, the lettuce that she's growing out of there, oh my gosh, that's delicious. Uh, she's growing broccoli. She's growing uh, a bunch of other stuff as well. And so now she has it. Yes. And now she wants to continue to transform. And this is funny because uh, we live in the wilderness. We live up in the Los Padres National Forest. That's okay. technically where it is. Um, and so to say uh, in our backyard is the greenhouse only yes. because I have a fence around... <laughs> I have a fence around the area off of the back door, as we call it, uh, yeah. of the cottage we live in. And she wants to transform it into a sanctuary of sorts, you know, like we did with the yard we had back in Phoenix. Okay. And the only reason we left Phoenix was because of the heat. 
We just, yes. you know, we would have stayed there if the ice age had hit. You know, we wouldn't have gone anywhere. <laughs> uh, let's talk more about this in light of uh, the law of attraction when we, uh, as we continue here. I'm talking with Ken Elliott, author of Manifesting123, and Manifesting123.com is the website. And you don't need number three. That's just an addendum. That's the subtitle, if you will, as we continue talking uh, with uh, Ken Elliott. I'm Richard Dugan, your host, and I hope that you will continue to listen to this program and also listen to the podcast and then even watch the video casts on YouTube. This is Tell Me Your Story, and I am Richard Dugan, your host, and I hope that you will continue to uh, follow us uh, on SoundCloud and iTunes and TuneIn Radio and all of the other outlets for podcasts, as well as YouTube for the video casts. The program is brought broadcast live at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m. and Monday mornings at 1 a.m. Uh, that's Sundays at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m. and Monday mornings at 1 a.m. as well as this special edition of Tell Me Your Story. Ken, I want to ask you about uh, the law of attraction and how it relates to this aspect of uh, manifesting one, two, three, and you don't need number three. Because, uh, in, the, in light of something I was told, and I think I may have shared this with you back uh, way back when, mm -hmm. that um, the... the um, Creators of the movie, which I have the DVD of, as well as the book, right. of right. Us, The Secret, uh, referring to the law of attraction, I was interviewing someone about it. They weren't mm -hmm. connected with it, but about it. Mm -hmm. And they said that, well, they left something out. Uh, and I, I said, agree. really? They left something out? What are you talking about? Yeah. And they said, well, what they left out was that the law of attraction, you will attract to you those things that maybe sometimes you don't want. Especially if that's what you say. I don't want debt. Guess what the universe is hearing? Debt. But the other aspect of it is, how do you know that what you want is in your best interest, is part of your life's purpose, is part of your journey, mm -hmm. and so forth? So how do you juxtapose that concept, if you will, with... The manifesting, uh, it, it, does this involve our intuition? Do we need to go within and really meditate on what it is that we really should have or what, you know, what the universe really wants for us? How does, that, how does that all juxtapose? Well, it's all very complicated the way you put it out there, and it's not that complicated. Oh, okay. I'm not saying you're complicated. <laughs> how much time do we have? You're watching the clock. What do we, My, got? we got all the time in the world in one sense. Oh, good, so good, you good. You go right ahead. Oh, that's great. All right, so first of all, let me refer you to the fairly recent country western song that is something along the lines of uh, thank you God for not giving me all the things I asked for. I have heard there's that one. Yes, I have yeah. actually heard that one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's some truth in that one. Yeah. Um, and on the law of attraction and uh, I so uh, admire all the people that are putting out things about manifesting law of attraction, whatever it is, I'm all for it in all its forms. And they're all from both, virtually all positive forms. Mm -hmm. uh, so there's something that, that I discovered right away after doing the book, well, a little bit before, but I certainly got a lot more of it when the story started coming in. And that was people would ask for happiness and they'd wake up with it. Mm -hmm. I got a couple of people that call me a little too early in the morning and said, I woke up happy and I haven't been this happy since high school. What's going on? What did you do? You know, they had a little session with me or they didn't, yeah. but they've been asking for that. Uh, a, a very astute businessman, you know, works 
runs around with very big numbers, big companies. He called me and said, I woke up and I know that I don't have that stress about my work anymore. I'm at some kind of other level. What happened? It was an internal shift. It wasn't like a package was, was uh, the, attracted to them. They woke up with it. Something happened inside them. And that tells me right there that there is something else going on here besides attracting people or objects or this thing and that thing. Mm -hmm. But all those things are true. So there was a little something that, look, you're doing a lot, an hour and a half movie, you can't put everything in there anyway. Yeah. So, uh, so I'm all for that. It made a big wave, millions and millions of people. I salute them. What, what I found in all the manifesting books is they don't know how it works. We make assumptions. So th there's the light switch and we don't put sticky notes around the light switch and dream catchers and all sorts of things to try to increase our chances when we hit the switch that the lights will come on. Mm -hmm. The light switch is hardwired to the power plant. It's going to happen. If it doesn't work, we know there's something wrong with the wiring. When you're manifesting, if you have a repetitive thought, it is literally forming on the other side. It looks like a vapor. Mm -hmm. It gets a little more solid, starts to get a more 3D, takes on a color, looks like it's full color, and it's coming over. And it doesn't matter if you can afford it or not. It mm -hmm. doesn't matter if you believe in manifesting or not. It's repetition, and then you put either love or fear behind it. So to give you the number one, and that is, uh, it's, I came up with a thing called the movie. We're all good at going to the movies. Nobody flunks going to the movie. No. No, I can't go to the movie. I can't, I, I just can't do movies. So you sit in the movie and the movie happens to you. Um, so it's, it's very, very simple. Uh, we're going to happen to your future. So imagine, this is the number one of the one, two, three. Imagine that you're in your future. And, and in my future, I'd like to go to Paris. Hmm. So I imagine I'm just sitting comfortably. Um, I could be, I don't do it in bed because you fall asleep, but I'll, I'll just be sitting comfortably. And I imagine I'm in Paris and there's that carousel and I'm up at the top of the Eiffel Tower and I'm sitting on the street and the cars go by and I'm having a little coffee and a croissant and they talk funny and they dress well and uh, uh, there's all these cheeses around and pastry shops that, you know, I'm in Paris and all this art. And so I'm living it and I'm breathing Paris. And I do that every day. And every time I do that scene, this is a scene in my movie. And when I, when I get into that scene or while I'm sitting there having my coffee in Paris, I go, I'm so grateful. That's love. That's love. Mm -hmm. Now I have sent Judy Goodman objects and thought. And uh, there's a chapter in the book, the rose and the duck, where I sent a couple of things. And, uh, I just thought about it. I just thought, I just crammed it and crammed it and crammed it and crammed it. And she got the object. And she had told me early on, but, uh, but I didn't catch on to what she was saying because she deals in subtleties. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I was not a subtle guy, kind of wired that way. Um, if I had just uh, sent her a bouquet of flowers, as I've done a few times, and just declared it a gift, and, 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 you know, a little love behind it. Here's a bouquet of flowers with some love behind it. She would get it right away. Boom. Because the, 
the uh, emotion of love and fear is much, much more powerful than my thought. That's a weak force, but that will point it. That will make the mold, but the putting love or fear behind it will do it. So if I'm worried about money, and boy, have I been worried about money. Everybody has one time, most of us. Um, I can't afford to worry about money and put fear behind it. I can't worry about how am I going to pay this bill? How am I going to get that? How, how's this going to happen? And fear the idea of failure. I just can't do it. Mm. So, so the number one, you have a series of scenes in your movie. And in each one of these scenes, you put gratitude behind it. Now, most of the scenes in my movie take place in my living room and I'm sitting comfortably and I'm in my future in the living room and I make observations. Finances are not a concern for me and I'm so grateful. Mm -hmm. I'll let that sink in, I'll just let that sit. I'm doing very well as an artist, you know, financially and professionally, I'll just let that sit. I might imagine that, I remember when I was first getting started as an artist, I was doing these small pieces and struggling. I knew to make a living, I needed to do larger pieces, three, four foot things. This is Wolf Kahn behind me, by the way, that was my mentor. Uh, he just died this year, bless his heart. That's a, wow. a great American painter, mm -hmm. one of the best colorists in the world. So he mentored me, that just changed my life. That was an interesting thing that happened. Uh, but I had a scene in my movie where I go down to my studio and I'd look in there and there's all these big paintings on the wall or on the easels and they're glowing white. I don't see what they are, but they're extremely successful. I'm a successful artist with a lot of big work. And I think it was about eight months later, a consultant called me. I started to get a little traction and an art consultant wanted to come to the studio and we went downstairs and I walked the studio and I went, oh. it had happened. All those big paintings were on the wall. I didn't even realize that what I'd manifested had come true. And I've sort of been in that group ever since. So um, again, a lot of what I manifest takes, I'm sitting in my chair, I'm in the future. I'm taking a breath of air in my future. That's an interesting feeling. And I imagine these different things and I'm making observations, they've already happened. So here I'm in, in my living room and this and this and this have already happened and each one I'm grateful for. Um, there was a, uh, two women, they were in the book, their marriages weren't going that well, and um, they wanted to manifest uh, a solution to that, to have a happier family life. And uh, they got back to me after six weeks, we had this little conversation, a week apart, it was like the same script. And, and it, I think it both, they both happened on Thursday. Anyway, it was very close together. And the husband came to the wife and said, I want a divorce out of the blue. Well, they had talked about it in the past, but it wasn't the plan. They had kids in school. They're going to wait for that. But he just popped up and said, he wanted a divorce, both of these husbands. And they actually came over to the house to talk about it. And, and they were afraid that they had messed this up. And I said, well, what was in your movie? And she said, well, as you suggested, I just had these uh, visions. We would have Thanksgiving dinner. We would have uh, maybe it was just movie night. It didn't have to be an affair, you know, a, a big thing. Right. But we're all together. And I said, was your husband in the movie? He said, oh, hell no. It's kind of like, did I kill off the main character? <laughs> <laughs> they were manifesting this happy family scene and the husband wasn't there. Is he happier? Sure, he's happier. She's happier. The family's happier. It worked out okay, but that was not the logical plan. But they manifested a solution. 
Uh, and it was weird that they were back to back. Um, and I'll get off this, this number one part really quick, uh, but one more story, and there's so many. Um, the book was done. I went to a, a steakhouse with a friend of mine. We hadn't been there in a while. And he said, do you remember the waitress that we talked to last time we were here? That was some eight months ago. I said, no. Remember she had the story that where she wanted to manifest something and it was really bad? And I said, oh my God. And he, I had to get him to refresh the story. So uh, my first visit to that restaurant with him, waitress came over to the table a couple of times and I just sort of got this uh, indication that maybe I should ask her to make a wish. I'll do that sometime. And I told my friend, here's how it's going to go down. Uh, you know, she's not going to be worthy of making wishes. She makes wishes for everybody else. That's like 95% of the time, they wish for everyone else. Well, mm -hmm. this, this wasn't what I thought. So I said, well, you're supposed to make a wish. Uh, do you make wishes? Do you pray for things? Do you ask for things? Do you make vision boards and stuff? She said, well, yes, I, I just started to, yes. And I said, well, what happened? She said, well, it came true. I said, what'd you wish for? I wish you get hit by a car. I went, what? She said, yeah, there was another waitress here who, who got hit by a car as a pedestrian and she got a settlement. And so I asked for that to happen to me. I said, so what happened? She said, I got hit by a car. I said, did you get a settlement? She said, no, I didn't get, I didn't get anything. I wasn't really injured. I said, well, what would you tell people? I said, tell them not to ask to get hit by a car. So I put it in the book. I think it's one of the last stories. It's not the one. Wow. It's amazing. It truly is what we uh, what we do manifest, and also what we can manifest. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's the that's the interesting aspect of it. And and they can be two different things, you yeah. know, what we can manifest versus what we do. And it's right. turning that around to manifest the things that you that you truly want. Now, I, I myself, <laughs> uh, I never felt that way about my ex to where she'd you know walk in front of a car and get hurt. No, no, no. Don't want to do that. No, no, no. Because uh, there's some there's some karma involved there. <laughs> that there is karma. I, I don't want to deal with that. But uh, I know, too, that that there are other aspects of relationships and not necessarily uh, partner relationships, per se, but just the people that you associate with you and I or or people here at the station yeah. or what have you. Yeah. And it seems to me and I'm curious about intent now, it doesn't seem to me that intent uh, is, is the kind of factor that one would think, because this woman, as you just told a story, had the intent of getting hit by a car, and that's exactly what happened. Yeah. She didn't get the yeah. result that she wanted, but that was her intent, to get hit by a car. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, uh, and I, she, tell might you, have, she might've got a settlement. It wasn't anything to, to write home about. Right, yeah. exactly. And I certainly wasn't turning left on that, down that side street to find someone who would hit me so that I could then get a truck and then a year later get a travel trailer. That was not my plan. Someone, yeah. even, someone even said to me, they said, well, you do realize, Richard, in, in reference to manifesting, that you didn't have to manifest the truck that way. No. And there was part of me that disagreed, saying, well, here's the deal. The universe set it up to where we would have this event, both this other gentleman and I would have this event happen to us, yeah. But it also set it up so neither of us was injured. And I've often said this about our intuition. It there might it might challenge you, but it will never put you in harm's way. And I didn't feel that that I was in harm's way in that yeah. respect. 
Yeah, and you know, the person that hit you might have learned a lesson uh, because uh, you're, he hit you. Mm-hmm. And maybe he has children. Maybe it's a good lesson for him to be a little more careful in the car. Well, one, of, car, one of the other aspects of it, too, was just before I left the scene <laughs> and limped down the road in my, my broken vehicle, uh, the policeman was there, and he was taking his report. And I walked up to where the two of them were standing, and he and his his female partner were there. And uh, I said, uh, excuse me, and I wanted to do this in front of the police officer so that he he could see what I was doing. I extended my hand to this gentleman, and I said to him, I am so glad that neither of us was hurt. Good for you. Now, and then I also said to him, I said, and... I want you to go out and make it a better day than this because I'm going to. Yes. And one of the main, my intent there was to diffuse the energy that might be there maybe on his side because I had kind of already, mm-hmm. I'd already uh, grappled with that in my own mind. I'd gotten through the shock right. and I did the things I was supposed to do. Right. And w- as far as I know, he lives in this town, which is a small town. And mm-hmm. he and I may come across each other down the road. Yes. Hopefully not in that fashion again, but yes. in a small town, the odds are pretty darn good that you're going to run into some of the same people over and over and over again. And right. I didn't want that hanging over the two of us, not just me, right. but him too. Yeah. So that was one of the things that I was very clear about in terms of um, taking care of the business at hand before I left that scene. And I wanted the officer to see that because I wanted him to know that I wasn't upset with this guy, you yeah, know, yeah. Uh, you know, OK, from an, an insurance standpoint. Yes, he's at fault. But, you know, right. I've had a couple of instances where I was at fault and nobody jumped all over my case about right. it. Right, right. And so I think that's real important for us to to keep in mind is uh, that, what what our intent is. That showed a lot of wisdom and um, awareness on your part. Often, what, what, well, what is happening when you are repeating this thought, and it is taking form over there, it is trying to, well, it is putting together in the quickest, most efficient way possible. So if you have to go down a side street and get bonked by that, well, well fine. Fine. Yeah. There it is. Mm-hmm. That, that, was, that was quicker than eight months out when you're looking at your savings account and this thing and that thing. Right. No. Uh, a friend of mine had, had a hopeless situation with a very old car nearby here and uh, really wanted something that was any generation past that would be better. And uh, we had a big hailstorm. She showed me a picture. It looked like Machine Gun Kelly had <laughs> shot out the back of her, all the windows. I mean, the hail, I couldn't believe it. it I'd never seen hail go through, play, you know, a safety glass windows. It was obliterated. She had a, a dozen holes. And, and of course, the car's all beat up too. And, and she got a a used car, but a much better model, mm-hmm. you know, uh, two or three generations up. And she was quite happy. She was out very little money, but she couldn't have done that because uh, she needed uh, something to happen to that car. Like you said, the insurance company got behind that. So mm. uh, it, it's, it's amazing at the efficiency now. Uh, so there are people um, in relationships or the jobs and this thing and that thing there's a lot more moving parts between relationships and wanting to be the vice president of that company than just wanting to wake up happy. 
How can I be happy? How can I have less stress? That's, that's internal. Those things can happen very quickly. Um, and often it goes back to we're in the way. What, what's with the relationship? What is it about me that's in the way of the relationship? What is it about the person who called me and there was just a breakup and she discovered about the, the guy or the, the guy discovers about the woman and this thing or that thing? It, it, it's not the relationship that was asked for. It's not the relationship that was um, manifested. Yeah. It, um, so something, uh, something was amiss. I don't want to use the word lacking, but it, it, it wasn't the right connection for the pair or for the job. And we learn and we get better and we, we go a notch up and we get better suited to, to make that match. Yeah. Uh, you know, someone asked me, well, well, I've got this guy. I really want to meet this guy. Da, 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 da. So well, is this guy on a pedestal for you and you're here? She said, well, yeah, I kind of feel that way. Well, you're, when you get up here, you can meet him. Yeah, exactly. We all, we all have more work to do. We yeah. all have more work to do. Yeah. A little uh, polishing. Yeah. Yeah. My uh, Vedic astrologer, David, uh, David Hawthorne, uh, who I've had on this program a number of times, we've done some very interesting programs. He gave me a reading in 2013. Okay. which was uh, I really appreciated the reading and I took it to heart. And the reading basically was that in November of 2019, uh, I was going to have the Midas touch. Okay. All right. So uh, I thought about that over the four, course of the next five or so, so years. And, um, and I, um, as I got close to November and I, when I say close, I mean like within a year's time, 12 months, I began thinking, you know what? I've seen the statistics of lottery winners who are a low middle income. They win the lottery. They win millions. And one year later, they're right back where they started. I do not want to be there. So I began to make a conscious effort to work with people and to work with myself to shift my attitude and my perspective towards prosperity, towards abundance, towards mm -hmm. money and that energy. Or the equivalent of money, let me add, please. There you go. Exactly. The equivalent, the equivalent yes. thereof, too, because I know that there is a universal law of exchange, and it is not always dollar for dollar. Okay, it doesn't work, necessarily work that way. Yeah. So I, I'm doing this, and then, of course, I hit November, and I'm waiting, and I'm waiting, and I'm still doing my thing. I'm doing the work and everything, and I'm still waiting, and then all of a sudden I'll get this little bump up, and it'll go down. And then a little later I'll get another bump up, and then it goes down. And I'm sitting here going, what? didn't I do? What, what do I still have to do yet to make this happen? And um, I reached a, what I'll call a, a financial crisis for the third time in my life. And I, I handled the financial crisis the other two times the same way. And when I reached this financial crisis, I said, uh-uh, not going to do it that way again. I'm going to do something different. Using Einstein's uh, statement about uh, <clears throat> the the definition of insanity. Yes. And I even though in my mind, my ego, I'm going, no, the, the, you're going to make things worse. That voice in Let me assume the position. It, the, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But my intuition was saying no. Go ahead. Now, remember, I, I take the position that the universe does, does not uh, put you in harm's way. It may challenge you. And boy, in this instance, it did. I followed through with the prompting. I took the action that I was guided to take, right? 
And after the fact, when I looked back and I crunched the numbers, I realized that if I hadn't done that, it would have been even worse. Oh. Okay. Okay? So I actually didn't solve the problem per se. I just minimized what damage could have occurred. And now I'm making new decisions to do things differently, mm-hmm. uh, to, to, to handle this whole thing so that I can continue to shift my mindset. And one of the things that has really struck me, and I'd love for you to talk about this, is getting busy. Now, what I mean by that is maybe it's, you know what, I'm going to schedule five interviews today and I'm going to do one right after the other for five hours. Yeah. And I'm going to be focused on those interviews, but mm-hmm. I'm not going to be focused on the financial situation that I have to deal with. Yeah. I'm not ignoring it, not, right. in that, not in that sense, but what right. I'm doing is I'm putting my energies into that which I love doing. When I'm yeah. working in the yard, when I'm helping my wife uh, in the greenhouse, when I'm working with the dog or the cats, when I am doing repairs on the trailer or whatever it is, I notice that my mind is focused on the present and what I'm doing, not on all of that other stuff. Mm -hmm. Is that a good way to put your intention out there and then for manifesting and then in essence, you're, you're letting it go, like letting the balloon go. I I got Mm -hmm. the balloon and this is the message I want to send. And if I keep thinking about it, I'm going to hold on. But as soon as I say, okay, I'm going to let it go. I'm going to go over here and I'm going to do my thing. I've told the universe there's not much more for me to do. Is that, is that a, a, a fair uh, perspective? Or tell, me, tell me how to do that better or do, to, do it yeah, differently. I'm getting all worked up here. Go, that. go, man, go. Here we go, yeah. All right. <laughs> so, <laughs> go in here. Um, if I'm sending up a balloon, that, that's to me, that's, that's a prayer life. Um, when, I'm, when I'm putting out an intention, like a piece of Xerox paper, mm-hmm. and I set that down, and the next day I stack on another one, and another, oh, I can do an optical illusion here, and another one, 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 and another one. <laughs> I like this video thing. And yeah. pretty soon, I've got 50 pounds a Xerox in paper stacked up intentions on the other side. Mm-hmm. It starts to take on a physicality and that thing will come over. Now I'm a belt and suspenders guy. So I pray for things. I ask for things. Uh, but when I'm manifesting, I'm making, making something. Okay. I'm making something and the universe. Every time I hear the universe, a little bell goes ding. And to me, the universe, uh, the creator, God, um, we're co-creators. I've mm-hmm. been shown this. Mm-hmm. It, 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 that's my acid trip. I didn't have an acid trip. <laughs> and you got a lot of great stories, but that's your acid trip. Um, so we get to co-create. So we're part of the team. So we get to make. We get to make. So I'm about making things. And everything I say, everything I do is another layer of intention. I'm just making more and more, putting more and more weight over there. And and I expect those things to happen, but it doesn't matter if I believe in it or not. I, I know I'm making it and I could check in with Judy, uh, I have in the past from time to time and 
or she'll call me and say that business plan you had is going back to smoke. Do you still want it? I said, no, we can't. It's an internet thing. And we didn't know about how people can hack into stuff. We don't want to do it. She said, well, it's going back to smoke, buddy. Let's let it go back to smoke. We're not going to, we're not going to do that. We're going to mm -hmm. do something else. Mm -hmm. So things can come and go at, by the intention you put into it, by the attention and intention that you put into the thing. So on the universe, um, I got a piece of wisdom from Judy. I had gotten to a point where I just decided uh, I'm just going to give this to the universe. I said, I'm just going to, I'm just going to do God's will. That's how I put it. Give it to the universe. And, uh, and she came back and she said, God is waiting to see what you're going to do. Ah. And that's the cult. I never heard that one. So the universe is waiting to find out what you're going to do. So the universe can take action. Mm -hmm. I, I'm, I'm I'm not crazy about turning my life over to a random number generator, multi-dimensional universe. Uh, I think it's helpful if the universe knows what it is that I'm pointing myself to. Mm -hmm. And then it can swing into action. Mm. Uh, and I can think of a lot of sports analogies where they can put me on the football field and I'm going to get hurt. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I'd rather know what the play is. You right. Know? So, so when you talk about stacking one piece, uh, one thing on top of using the analogy of stacking the paper, yeah, layers you, of intention. You are not, you are not um, uh, uh, bombarding the universe with, "Come on, I, I want this, I want this, I want this, I want this, I want no, this." No, you are laying the intention out. Yes, I want this, but it isn't a question of badgering the universe. It's a question right. of saying, "This is what I want. This is what it. I want." This yeah. is what I want. The, yeah. and, you're and, and you're building. That's what you're talking about. You're not badgering. You're building. I'm building. Build I'm a builder. Big difference. I'm a builder. Yeah, big difference. there is a big difference. Yeah. I'm not at the whim. I haven't given up responsibility. We've got to take responsibilities. That brings me back around to something you said. I'll come back on. Mm -hmm. All right. So I am manifesting this thing. I'm manifesting that I want this rare uh, something for my collection of rare somethings. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I'm looking, I have some Indian, a few Indian sculptures. So I'm manifesting that I can find this hard to get Indian sculpture. It's, if it, when it comes, it's going to come FedEx insured, right? Yeah. And so I'm, work, I'm, I'm working on this thing, working on this thing, and I'm just waiting for it to come to the door with the FedEx guy. Now, how's that going to happen? I need to go meet people. I need to read. I need to make phone calls. I need to put a little money aside. I need to go out there and find that thing. Then it can come to me. Mm -hmm. So I just can't sit around like a dilettante and wait for my wonderful next thing to come through the keyhole. Mm. And once you start manifesting things, and I'd like to tell people this, and this happened to a friend of mine, um, when you go outside, if you're looking for that perfect partner, the, the, the one you've been waiting for, the ideal for you, you know, mm -hmm. perfect for you, perfect for them. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I have big ears. She's fine with the big ears. She's got a funny spot. She hates it. And I think it's endearing. You know, perfect for each other. When you go to the Home Depot, do not dress in your crap clothes because you never know who you're going to run into. And the, the woman at the grocery store, don't put in your those sweatpants. And, and, and it, because you never know when that guy's going to come up. On the other hand, what would happen? She goes to the grocery store. She drops a rutabaga. She bends over to pick it up. A guy comes up behind her and said, 
that's the one. It happened to a friend of mine in a Detroit airport. She's walking. There's a man that comes behind her who does a lot of traveling. And uh, he, she has a lot of bags. Can I help you with those bags? She said, no, she didn't even turn around. No, I'm fine. And he stays with her and, and finally gets her to turn around. And she looks at this guy and goes, oh. <laughs> and he looks at her, but he's already seen her from the back. And he's already going, uh-huh. And when they see each other, boom, yeah. they're still together. Happened in the airport. They're all nicely dressed up. Mm-hmm. But uh, you never know. You never know. Okay. We've talked an awful lot about intention. All right? Yep. What about expectation? That's a good one. I, I build things. I know that it's forming up over there, and I'm going to just stay with it. I'm not going to expectations, expectations. Expectations cause misery. Mm-hmm. You can write that one down. There's a, a friend of mine had a, a, a boyfriend, and she's always miserable. She would call and cry, and I said, well, what's up with him? And she said, well, you know, uh, uh, you know, I, I really love him, and yada, yada, yada. I said, you ever told him he loves you? No. And you guys have been close. Wink, wink. Yes. Huh. Well, why don't you just downgrade that guy? Downgrade expectations. So what do you mean? Well, if he wants to go, if you like football games, then go to football games with him. Whatever it is he likes to do, you do it. The things he doesn't like to do, you don't do it. And in the end, you get a guy that you like to go to movies with and someone you like to talk to and someone like to have dinner with. You can have a lot of guys, but downgrade this guy. Hmm. And uh, she called me back later and, and uh, said she broke up with him. And I said, well, well how come? She said, well, he wasn't good at this. He wasn't good at that. He wasn't good at that. So I broke up with him. She downgraded that guy. She downgraded her expectations. She had high expectations for this guy and it caused her continual misery. Hmm. He was fine. She was perfectly okay, but she was miserable. Yeah. Expectations cause misery. Now, you can manifest things and expect it to happen. Sure. If you think you're fooling yourself, that's okay. Just go along with it. Go along with it. But if you're getting negativity in there, that's the trap, then get the negativity out of there. Is that easy to do? No. That's what the number two is about. But to go back to expectations, I'm building things I expect them to happen. I don't know the timetable. I don't know how it's going to come. That's another form of intention. So have positive expectations. That's just fine. I don't want to scare anybody with any of that stuff. Right. The, the number two, uh, very important. I, I can't tell people how to not be afraid. So if you have a repeating thought and you're putting fear behind it, uh, you're creating a bad outcome for yourself. So the, the best thing to do about the fear is, is to take action on your fears. What does that mean? You're worried about paying your bills. Uh, you're not making enough money at work. So make yourself a little list or a mental list, and you're going to call your boss in the morning and go to the boss about a raise and tell him uh, why you are valuable to the company and have some ideas on how you can make yourself more valuable to the company. Call a mentor that's in that business. See if they know something else out there or some other thing that you can do or something you can say to that boss that would help you make more money. Maybe there another thing on the list. It could be you've had a side business thing you haven't done anything about. Look into that. So you're going to take action on these fears. 
Now you can't make all those calls and do all those things and hit the one ads in one day. But at the end of the day, you've done everything you can do to try to absolve this money problem. I hate the word money. I use financial problems. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of ways to solve financial problems. Yeah. So take action on your fears. And the number three, and you don't need number three, we are very powerful spiritual beings. And anyone that's ever been to the other side and had, had a look around as I have are these near-death experiences you can read about are the things that people will come to you and say that you have done to help them or this thing or that thing. We realize that we do have uh, power that's beyond uh, the flesh and blood or power beyond what we give ourselves credit for. We are quite powerful. And I can assure you, and please, please get the book or listen to more of these interviews because I do a lot of, I just give this stuff away. You don't mm -hmm. have to buy a book, this info. Go up to the website, manifesting123.com and, and look up more radio interviews. The, uh, it's the most important thing I can do every day is to manifest. If, if I'm not doing my manifesting list, I get on my spell. And I have had quick results. I have things that have taken a long time. Some things haven't happened. I'm, I'm asking for things like I want to completely sense the uh, seen and unseen worlds. Well, apparently, um, Maybe I need another tuna. Maybe I need another carburetor to be, able to, to be able to do that. I don't know what it is. I'm in the way of that in some way. Very yeah, highly possible, but I, I keep manifesting that anyway. But uh, you don't need the number three. The number three is that you're very, very powerful and you don't have to act powerful. You don't have to put on a Superman or a Supergirl suit to, to make these things happen. It's simply repetition and put love or fear behind it. And it doesn't matter if you believe it or not, this is gravity, and I'm as powerful as Arnold Schwarzenegger in the gravity zone. Mm -hmm. He can't do this any better than me. And gravity <laughs> just pulls things to the ground. Gravity doesn't care what I'm going to do with gravity. It just does it. It just does. So your thoughts, your thoughts make things, and it doesn't judge if they're good or bad. And that's it in a nutshell. Yeah. A key to the kingdom right there. And, and sometimes you. we are manifesting and we don't even realize it. I mean, it's just, uh, if you run across people who are just, they're just natural manifestors. They haven't gone through any programs. They haven't read your book. They haven't done any yeah. of this. It's just almost an innate yeah. Uh, yeah, instinctive thing. Two guys live here locally. Their thing was, I need, I, need, I need more money. They started finding money on the street. Not, not pennies. Have, have you ever seen uh, 80 cents laying around? On the, on the sidewalk? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, I, I hadn't. And then uh, then it went to $20 bills. Wow. And, and I got back to these guys. So why don't you manifest, you know, real, uh, um, I didn't want to use the word money, you know, real financial differences, changes. And one of the guy, he shifted gear. He said, well, I want, I want to, he said he wanted to manifest wads of money. He started finding bill folds. Oh, wow. Money folded up in it. You know, it bend it once and you got a wad of money. Yeah. I think he found three of those. Yeah. And, and the other guy, he finally got the message. And so he started getting a series of raises and now he's retired. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It worked out, but it started from small, a chump change. It really was chump change. Yeah. Uh, there was a story I heard on the radio just recently. Uh, uh, it's a, a, a 
something makes you feel good story, okay? And uh, okay, and yep. it talks about uh, this uh, one gal. She was working in uh, one of these uh, thrift stores, and they get all the stuff that comes in that's donated. And she's going through the right. stuff, and she's working on this particular piece of clothing. And all of a sudden, uh, she comes across this giant lump inside these this clothing. Turns out it's forty two thousand dollars. Oh yeah, yeah. All yes. right. She doesn't keep it. She immediately calls the manager. They find out who donated this. They give it back to that person. You don't know what they needed. It Maybe they misplaced it. Maybe it was the down payment on a house or something. She, yeah. They gave the money back. The woman was not expecting anything but was given $1,000. Yes. A, yeah. You know, you, you just yeah. don't know how. And now for me with my uh, the work that I was doing, you know, back in the 80s, uh, people kept telling me uh, to live by the law of diminishing returns, as my boss back then uh, would live by. Don't put out okay. any more than you're going to get back. And okay. I thought, that doesn't seem, that doesn't seem right. I mean, if you're in the business of service, you don't give yeah. out just exactly what you're going to get back. Or if you don't expect to get much, you don't give much. Right. And so uh, what, but the that's best an of, intention. Don't expect much. That's an intention. Yeah. And so um, yeah. I would uh, we had, for example, I had one client. They had one client come in and he purchased uh, a 15 minute block of time. Okay. But he brought our 30 minute. Anyway, he, he brought in these reel to reels, these five inch reels, and he wanted to to have them transferred so that uh, they could be used as programs. Well, there was a problem with his tape. He hadn't cared for it well. And so when I put it on our machine, it would squeak. That meant that the lubrication had dried out. Nice. So I had to figure out how I could keep it from squeaking, transfer the audio, <clears throat> and then create his programs. Well, I figured it out. And two weeks after I finished the project, he canceled his contract. Well, my boss wasn't real happy with the fact that we had done all this work for him and then he was only there for two weeks. Yeah. But I thought, yeah, but the, the, here's the deal. I got the experience of how to archive, how to, to solve those kinds of problems. Yeah. And he walked away from this radio station with a good taste in his mouth going, boy, they really took care of me. Who knows? He might come back. He might yeah. not. But so yeah. what? If we, yeah. uh, but if we get in the habit of giving that kind of service to every single client that walks through that right. door, right. then... You know, and we're making, and this has been my philosophy for years. Ken, I am going to make you successful because if you're successful, then I become successful. But my intent is not for me to be successful first. Yeah, it's a side effect. Yeah. And it does happen. I mean, that's the way the universe works, it's that exchange. Yeah. So it's yeah. not something that I can escape. But I do want to make sure that I'm giving my all. It's there are times when uh, we have programmers who do things. It's like, come on, I've been telling you for months how to do this, and you're still not getting it. And then I have to go in and I fix it. And there are times when I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna bother. And the next right. thing you know, I'm there at the computer and I'm fixing the problem that I said I wasn't gonna bother about because that's just the way I am. I yeah. can't. I, it's like I can't let stuff like that slide. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. the station's reputation is along on the line as well as mine, but it's just that the listener deserves better than that, and the programmer deserves better than that. So, yeah. I think yeah. that if we could inculcate that kind of mindset into people <clears throat> about the especially the aspect of service, let alone manifesting, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. boy, what a different world this would be. Yeah. This has I, been. I, I, go ahead. Most people are tuned up to be helpful, you yeah. know. I, 
They really are. Yeah. Just to give somebody a guide, the most I have a little short list of when I manifest. Number one thing is health. Number two thing is that I'm living comfortably and I don't have any financial concerns, that I'm doing what I'm here to do. Um, you know, it's those sort of things. But that health is like that number one thing. And doing yeah. what I'm here to do is way up to the top of the list. Yeah. Uh, and that's where our happiness is, is to, for almost anyone, is to be helpful, to be in service. Yeah. Yeah. Ken Elliott is my guest here on Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World, and I hope that you will go to his website, Manifest, Manifesting123. And there's the book that he is showing us, and we encourage you to get your copy. Go to his website. He's got a lot of free stuff. He's got a lot of videos that you can watch, great stuff that you can uh, uh, incorporate into your life, into your being. Uh, that's, one of the, th that's one of the great words that I have always loved. I finally got around to finishing the book, Stranger in a Strange Land. <clears throat> and um, uh, I wasn't thrilled with the ending of the book, but I was so glad that I finally read it. It was actually, I got it on Audible, and yeah. uh, I have the hard copy at home. I mean, it's like this thick. It's almost looking like War and Peace. But, but it was such a great story. I was so enthralled. But that one word that is used throughout this is the word to grok. And to me, that means to assimilate into every subatomic particle of your being. And that's what we're asking you to do here is, is take this information. And, and if it resonates with you, that's also a key there is if it resonates with you. If it doesn't, you know, maybe in a couple of days or a couple of weeks, maybe come back to it. Try yeah. it on again. See if it fits. See if it resonates. If uh, we, as I use the analogy, Ken, we lay out this smorgasbord table yeah. and every guest puts their, their, uh, their contribution on the table. And we just ask yeah. our listeners to come check it out. Yeah. You know, if it doesn't work for you, fine, but find something that does. And then when you walk away, you go play with that a little bit, sure. then come back again and try something yeah. new and just yeah. keep doing that over and over again. Uh, yes. I often say I will try something once and sometimes twice. Yeah, <laughs> but this has been a fascinating uh, time for us, and I really do appreciate the the time that you have given us here on the program. Uh, well, and uh, I have uh, three questions that I want to ask you before we wrap things up. Um, okay. And by the way, one of the questions I used to ask had to do uh, with uh, one of the things that you talked about earlier. Uh, and um, we hope that uh, people will uh, certainly try to find their life's purpose in that regard as well. But before I mention anything else, I want to mention to our listeners that these programs are here on Sundays at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m. Monday mornings at 1 a.m. streaming live at those times at richarddugan.com. The podcasts are on SoundCloud, iTunes, TuneIn Radio, Spotify, Stitcher, Player FM, Blueberry, and many other locations you folks are, uh, you are, are basically um, uh, reposting our interviews to. We thank you for doing that. And we thank you if you are able to support us financially with any size contribution. We'll take energetic support as well. That's why we have a PayPal and soon Venmo uh, link that you can support us with whatever contribution you can make. And also participate. Talk about contributing to yourself. Participate in the decade of perfect vision, the 2020. Spend that time going within, listening to that still small voice. And uh, 
find that calm, quiet, peaceful place where you can just kind of relax, re-energize, rejuvenate, uh, refortify yourself for the day ahead that may or may not require a great deal of energy. It might, but at least you will have sort of recentered yourself and gotten yourself uh, back on track and in, on focus to, um, uh, to, to carry out the, that day's uh, Hey, that day's tasks of whatever it is that your intention is all about. So we hope that you will do that. And as we wrap things up here, we ask our guests three questions. And I, th I th again, thank you so much, Ken Elliott, for joining us on the program. And people go to, to uh, manifesting123.com and uh, check out the book, Manifesting123, but you don't need number three. My first of three questions, Ken, is or are, I always get that grammatically messed up when I'm starting to say it. First question number one is, who is Ken? Who is Ken Elliott? <laughs> um, I'm a guy in service, and I tell uh, regular folks that I'm an artist and I'm a very successful one. But what I really do is collect stories and uh, meet the most amazing people with the most amazing experiences. So that's who I really am. What is it that you hope to or want to achieve through the work that you're doing now? To make a difference, to put good into the world. And finally, what is your life's purpose? I don't exactly know. Uh, but I'd like to tell people who will say, I, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. You know, we, we've raised the kids and now I'm on my own or... I'm young, I don't have kids, I'm new in a career, and, and I feel this urge to, to do something beyond, you know, just, just work and pay the bills. And I'll tell them, and it's the same thing that uh, goes on with me, if you're not busy in what it is you're here to do, then you're on vacation and enjoy the ride because they know where you are and they will find you. And my <laughs> doorbell rings a lot and the phone rings a lot and they find me and find my friends and we like to say you know within two minutes if you're on the job or not yeah and you're going to start helping someone you you learned a thing on thursday you can give it to them on friday it's mm -hmm. the best thing you've ever heard and you just found out yourself uh so it, it works like that and so, so you, you don't have to build a church you don't have to start a foundation you don't have to mm -hmm. uh, you know it, they'll find you and it sounds to me like it doesn't necessarily mean that whatever comes your way is something that you are necessarily going to use, that you are being used to do nothing more than to transmit that to the next person or persons. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah. 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 I, I wasn't a writer until I wrote a book. The book wrote itself. Is there another book? Yes. Is it, is it necessary? Everything it is in that first book, but I can write a second one. What would that book be about? Here's what I learned from all the stories from the first book. Hmm. Dot, 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 dot. Yeah. And what would that be? And that's what all the follow-up books are, if they're really good anyway. Yeah. Here's what we learned. I'm going to say part of this again, and here's some new stuff. What is the new stuff? It's the same old stuff. Your, <laughs> thoughts are making, your thoughts are making things, but you keep repeating them and put love or fear behind it. It's going to happen. Absolutely. And for, the, for those who uh, send me a manifesting story, if they read the book or not, um, or if they get the book and they get a story, I'll give them a free, I'll give them another book to give to a friend. All right. So. 
Well, very good. Ken Elliott, my guest, manifesting123.com is the website. We will be linked to it as well so that you folks can get there directly. And again, we thank you, Ken, for joining us here on the program. And we thank you for listening to and watching Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World. We are giving you choices and knowledge of those choices to help make your dreams come true. And until our next broadcast, podcast, videocast, love to law. Hang on. Look at this happy guy working outside with a hat and t-shirt. He's got it made. <laughs> Nicely done, Richard. Thank you. Thank you so much. Very good. I am going to be 